This copyrighted podcast is presented by the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council. The opinions and views shared by those of non-paid guests on the business of blueberries are those of our guests and do not represent the views, positions, or policies of the USHBC. The blueberry industry is like no other, passionate, resilient, and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research, and technology related to blueberry production. This is the business of blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, National Blueberry Month was another big success this year, thanks to each and every one of you who joined us in celebrating and promoting blueberries. Certainly one important aspect of National Blueberry Month and all of our power periods are to help us stay on top of mind with consumers at the point of purchase, which most of the time in our industry is at retail. We are very lucky today to be joined by two retailers on today's podcast, Rod Borden and Ben Bodich of Lunds and Byerly's. Rod is the director of produce and Ben is the produce category manager for the grocery retailer with 28 stores in the Twin Cities and surrounding areas. Now, I have a lot of questions today for Rod and Ben about marketing and promotions of blueberries at retail and what they're seeing with other produce categories and how retail strategies might be adapting and changing in the future. Ben and Rod, thank you both for joining me on the business of blueberries. Well, thanks for having us. We're honored. Great to be here. Yeah, this is a unique opportunity for our audience. Uh, it's not often that we have guests from the retail category specifically on. We, we talk a lot about all aspects of the industry. So it's going to be an honor for us to have you on the show. It's going to be great for our audience to hear more from retailers. I, I think that's something that uh, we're hoping to do here. And of course, when we get to Savannah, but let's start with some brief introductions to each of you. Tell us a bit about your role, your background in produce and what led you to Lunds and Byerly's. Rods, let's start, let's start with you first. I've been with Lunds and Byerly's for about eight years. I've been in the industry for about 39 years. Uh, we're about a 28-store chain. Um, we're kind of a high-end retailer in the market. We've been blessed with actually 12 years of market share growth. Our, our biggest piece of our business is really about quality, where uh, our perceived value in the, in the marketplace here is, is having the highest quality possible. Yeah, well, thank you. Thank you for being on the show. Ben, let's, let's turn over to you. Talk a little bit about yourself. Hi, yeah. I've uh, been here with Lunds and Byerly's for five years now. Prior to Lunds, I was with CNS Wholesale Grocers for about six years on the account side and on the procurement side for them. Prior to that, I was a grower, organic vegetable grower uh, in Colorado. Had a lot of different roles within the industry, but um, you know, being a retail buyer here with Lunds, you know, we're really hands-on with our growers and have a great local deal as well. So it's great to work with both big national suppliers like Driscoll and also have a great local program. Excellent. Well, hey, it's great to have you both on the show. You know, I think, Rod, I want to turn it back over here just to kind of go a little bit further with Lunds and Byerly's. If, if for our audience who, like myself, have never been to one of those stores and your comparison to maybe how it fits amongst kind of all the retail chains that are out there, what differentiates you? What, what makes it that unique experience you were describing before? What would people see when they walk into the store? Well, it would be the shopping experience. We are very service orientated. We are fresh forward. So I would say our perimeter perishable apartments are probably our, our key piece to our business. So we, we cater to, again, a, a market that is really based on quality and food experience and variety. It's really about 
those consumers who want the elevated experience and product for their meals. Yeah, it sounds like a, a very discerning audience, a group of discerning consumers. And, you know, I think what Ben said, you know, in terms of just looking at the category, you know, there's a lot that I'd like to unpack there when it comes to blueberries specifically, because obviously that's a category, the berry patch in and of itself that I, I would like to just kind of understand from your guys' perspective, uh, how that fits within the produce department there. Well, well as Ben said, we are a Driscoll managed program. Um, we feel very fortunate about that. I believe that we're around 98% distribution with Driscoll. We essentially only carry mainly Driscoll. The only 2% would possibly from a small local grower that does strawberries. Our berry category runs about 18% of our over uh, distribution of our department. So it is by far our number one category. When you talk about the berry piece of our business, it probably undoubtedly is the most important business that drives not only our quality perception, but I would say our, for us, sales. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. Well, and maybe talk a little bit about how you've seen the berry patch grow in both of your experience. I'll let, I'll let you both take a, a shot at that answer, just in terms of uh, from your background previously to where we're at today. Uh, talk to me you know, about that journey for blueberries specifically within that berry patch and your experience watching that category grow to become what you're saying is the number one uh, part of your produce department. Well, I would say, and I'll, I'll let Ben hit a few keynotes on this, but I would say one of the biggest advents has been Driscoll's Sweetest Batch Blueberries. From our consumer's perspective, again, retail price isn't always a concern to them. They're looking for more of the highest quality. And with that larger fruit, literally, they're kind of almost upset when we don't have it. And it's, it's made a major impact in our business. And I'll be honest with you, the holidays like Thanksgiving, Christmas, it's our number one item in our department. Holy cow. Okay. Well, how about you, Ben? How, how have you seen the, the berry patch and blueberries grow? I mean, I started here, I started here the year prior Sweetest Batch launching. So in my five years of being here at Lunds, we've just been on a, an amazing upward trajectory in the blueberry category. You know, Sweetest Batch berries in general, that line for Driscoll's has been had a great impact for our business with all four of the berries that they have it with now. Just, just some examples like the blueberry category for our whole store, it's the number seven category amongst all items in the grocery store. Holy cow. The entire footprint of the store. And what's that rank against? Like, give us a couple examples in the top six. You know, like the hot bar, carbonated soft drinks, ice cream, pizza, processed fruit, eggs. Amazing. You know, they're right up there with those big hitters there. Um, I'd say, too, our relationship with Driscoll is we, we have weekly touch bases with them. And then we have quarterly reviews. And when we kind of look at the quarterly reviews, we look at the share of the category dollars a lot, where traditionally you see, you know, the total US numbers being really over-indexed on strawberries, you know, where that's like 40 to 45% of their total sales for the berry patch. We're different. We're 40% on blueberries and 25% on strawberries. So our our mix is a little different than more of your traditional retailers out there. 100%. We over-index in raspberries as well. I would also say that the Swedish Batch Blueberries also kind of broke the mold for retails and berry category. I think it, it showed that really high-quality fruit, you know, it can get the retail you actually need to be financially to hit the numbers. Um, so, I mean, it really did open the door for a lot of other varieties. I would even say outside of the berry category, 
I think you're going to see, and and we've explored is, you know, high-end grapes, uh, high-end even cherries. When you think about cherries, Skylar Ray. In the past, you, know, you think you wouldn't want to break that $5.99 retail. But, I mean, in my opinion, Swedish Batch kind of broke the ceiling on retails, really. And it was during COVID when it really started to take off even more. Um, and again, I think people had a little bit more disposable income and they were able to, they were more about eating the quality because they couldn't go out to restaurants and it, it really even accelerated there. That berry category during COVID was incredible. Incredible. Absolutely. So, you know, do you see that changing? I mean, it, with the change of the economy, you know, things that seem to be slowing down, it may be different for your audience, uh, your customers, but it sounds to me, you know, and looking at what future forward there might be for blueberries, especially along the lines of varieties that there's more to come, right? So that, uh, sweetest batch experience that the consumers are having is, you know, genetics driven and therefore, you know, more genetics are coming. Have we hit that ceiling? Is there a plus plus? I don't think so either. Right. So I was just, you know, I don't think they so. can't see you shaking your heads. <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, uh, I would say Ben has done a good job to work with Driscoll. One of the things that we've done too, and is traditionally we would kind of get stuck in certain sizes too. I think what also that Driscoll did with their sweetest batch blueberries, you know, they, you, you know, they broke the six ounce, you know, or 10 or 11 ounce, sorry. And then, and then to be honest with you, we've had success with 18 ounce and we've had success with other size berries where, Hey, we can get a little bit more retail now. And, you know, we can sell them a little bit more berries. And when you think about it, especially in the berry category, a lot of times raspberries or blueberries in a six ounce container don't make it home when I buy it, <laughs> you know, we've eaten it before we even got home. So we're willing to buy more. You know, I think we've, we've found that customers want more and they're still coming back even when they buy the 18 ounce. Yeah. Yeah. And if it does make it home, then the person who purchased it doesn't get any because, uh, they, they poured through the six ounce. So yeah, absolutely. Your, your thoughts, Ben, have we hit a ceiling? No, I think, I think the, the key for us is just, especially me as a buyer, like we really focus on freshness and making turns here at the distribution center. We're buying and we're running things really tight here and just making sure as long as the customer is getting fresh product and we're, we're really doing our due diligence here on quality here at the distribution center, we have best in class people out at stores merchandising this product for us. So as, as long as we give them the best product, consumers are going to get that week in and week out and really continue to push the envelope. And that's a really key point too that Ben just mentioned. It's really the quality of the product. And we we push our merchandisers at the store to make sure that they're calling that quite often because quite often when a consumer turns any berry twice because they're looking for the right quality, they're more apt not to purchase. So quality really at, at point of purchase is really important in the berry category. Oh, that's great. That's great. And important for us to to consider as we move forward. It's certainly those delight curves uh, that we're talking about, those consumer experiences that bring them back to the category time and time again, after they've finished one clamshell, they just got to come back for another one. So this is great feedback. Well, look, I want to take a quick break here. We've got a lot more questions I want to make sure we cover, but it's time for our crop report. We have regions throughout North America harvesting every week this time of year. So here once again is your blueberry crop report. It's time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. 
Today you'll hear from Jason Smith in British Columbia, TJ Hafner in Oregon, Alan Schreiber in Washington, Brody Schropp in Michigan, and Mario Ramirez in Mexico. This was recorded on September 6th, 2023. Hi, this is uh, Jason Smith reporting for uh, British Columbia today. And uh, we've been experiencing some cooler weather, a couple days of showers, a bit here and there. I mean, much needed rain, although it does impact the late season variety growers, but uh, quality remains very strong. I suspect insect like SWD pressure is building with the cooler weather and, and the rainfall. And uh, we're going to be experiencing what they call like seasonal weather and then uh, perhaps more showers on Sunday into Monday a bit. But uh, overall looking fairly dry in the long term here. Just couple blips on the radar most guys are through first pick of elliot guys are doing first pick of aurora and uh also some guys may have gone into second pick of elliot as well as aurora depending where they are in the valley my numbers are not going to change from where they're at the 110 but like i commented it may go up towards 120 but not sure it'll quite get that high and that's my report for today all right uh, this is tj hafner doing the crop report for oregon fall arrived quickly here in the Willamette valley there wasn't much transition from summer to fall temperatures have been cooler in the mornings. Uh, this morning it was 47 degrees at my place in salem uh, we've had a couple rain events this past week that delayed fresh fruit harvest uh, on Saturday evening, we had an impressive thunder and lightning storm that came through and dumped patchy showers across the Willamette Valley. The upcoming 10-day like, forecast looks dry with high temps in the upper 70s. Harvest is wrapping up. There's still some last call and rabbit eye going to fresh, but not a lot. Uh, we're seeing more fruit splitting following the recent rains. Cleanup picks are happening in last call, Aurora, Liberty, and Elliott. The fresh market for both conventional and organic is really strong now. I'm still expecting about 20 to 25% off of the forecast at 165 million pounds due mostly to undersized fruit. Beginning of the season, we forecasted about 55% of Oregon's volume going fresh. But with all this later season, like last call and some Aurora making it into the fresh market, I'd estimate it's going to land probably closer to 65% of our total volume going to fresh this year. That, that's what I got from Oregon today. In Eastern Washington, the temperatures uh, are in the 80s to 90s for a high. Um, the growers are into the last of the late varieties sits as last call. There was some rain last week that kind of negatively impacted quality. But demand is high, price is up, and so people are staying with it and trying to pick everything that they they can for the fresh market. Western Washington is very similar to what Jason Smith said for British Columbia. Last week, I was up in northwest Washington, and they we're ending the second pick of blue crop last week. They're starting on the late varieties now. The price and demand for blueberries is high. 
but uh, I, I think most overwhelmingly, the most of the fruit in Western Washington are going for the processed market. I have a better handle on what is going on now that harvest is largely over. It is clear that the closer you were to a marine environment, the blueberries were unscathed. But as you move inland and north in Whatcom County, high temperatures during the pollination for some varieties, particularly Duke, was more impacted. And so as you go west of the Guide Meridian, which is a road from Bellingham to Linden, going east and north, there is increased reduction in yield. And that kind of peaks in the Sumas area going into the Fraser Valley. I don't have the input that allows me to change our production, but I have recommended that we reduce our forecast to 165 million pounds for Washington, 70% processed, 30% fresh. Hey, this is Brody out of Michigan. We don't have too much to report for, for uh, on our side of things. We're kind of uh, gearing down through the late season. A lot of growers are into their third pick Elliott, and uh, there's definitely a lot of grower motivation with a strong market. So there's some optimism still around, and we're looking to close the season off strong. Hi, everyone. Here, Mario with the Mexican Blueberries Report for week 34 from August 20 to 26. This week, the volume decreased 22% respecting previous week. The total volume is 72,000 pounds of fresh blueberries exported worldwide. And from that volume, 70,000 pounds were exported to the United States and Canada, and another 2,500 pounds to other destinations, mainly Asia and Europe. 28% of the volume exported to the United States was organic blueberries, and the freshman volumes decreased in 92%. Mexico exported with US destination only 5,000 pounds of frozen blueberries. That means less than 1% of the total United States importations for frozen blueberries on week 34. The weather is stable and there are no storms over last week and there are no affectations reported. That's only my report. Thank you very much. See you next week. Well, thanks so much to our busy growers and colleagues who take time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new ushbc.org forward slash data to find our data and insight center to see more data of what's happening in the blueberry industry. Be sure to visit our website, ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. Now back to today's conversation with Ben and Rod. Ben, let's turn our attention towards the future. Let's talk a little bit about what you're seeing in the future. What is the future of blueberries looking like for you going forward? I think we're going to see more integration in other categories within the produce department. This year for the Boost to Blue program that we did with USHBC, we brought on two new cut fruit SKUs, Lunds and Byerly's branded pineapple blueberry mix, and then a mango blueberry mix that added a lot to the sales for our department. I think you'll see more integration with that. Describe that a little bit, just so our audience knows what you're talking about. Yeah. So I worked with Don in your office. I worked and collaborated with the Driscoll's team on planning out this blueberry month for July. And the way that we were going to drive the category on top of sampling events in the store and the different promo activity that we're going to have, we decided to create two new cut fruit SKUs 
featuring blueberries with pineapple and mango. And that was a part of the contest that we did with the store team. The Boost to Blue campaign had a great impact for our sales this year versus last year. We saw a sales increase of 33% and a unit increase of 16%. That was for all the fresh berry skews, so Swedish Batch Blues, organic pints, conventional pints, 18 ounce, and then the L&B mix. Well, and to just kind of unpack that so that we're kind of comparing... I hate to say apples to apples on the blueberry podcast, but just so that we're understanding each other, you know, the, uh, the comp there is over year over year, you know, but, but what would you say is attributable to actually the grab a boost of blue program itself, you know, knowing that it would be necessary, maybe it's rest of market, or maybe it's just so happens that you're bringing in more because of the promotion period. But, but what would you say that, uh, inspired the incremental increase during that period of time that was related to the campaign? It's the pre-planning and the coordination. So, Pre-planning, you know, Rod and I sat down with Driscoll's and planned out our ads months ahead of time because they know that they have their big P&W peak every year. And we'd said that we're going to collaborate with you all and drive home this Blueberry Month promotional activity and with POS materials that were all co-branded with Lunds and Byerly's, Driscoll's, and the USHBC on all the signage. So we plan for this increase. And there's opportunities out there to increase these categories, but it's all about the effort put into the front end. That activity really, really pays off. Well, I'm glad you said that. You know, Rod, I'm going to turn this question over to you because I, I do think it takes, you know, that kind of, you know, not just turning the page one year over the next, especially during that peak season that, you know, Ben's talking about it. It how do we inspire the produce departments across the country with what blueberries can bring? And, and what's your thoughts on, on how that pre-planning activity does make a difference in sales? And what more can we be doing to help drive that next evolution and that opportunity? I mean, obviously we did this, you know, during a period of time for Lunds and Byerly, but what, what's your thoughts on that future for blueberries as you look at other months, you know, other ideas, other innovation? Well, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Ben did a great job connecting Driscoll, working with you guys, getting this all set up. But that's just part of it. Then it was the communication that he communicated out the store. It was the signage we provided him. When you look at the overall category of produce, again, you know, berries is that dominant factor there. Processed fruit and vegetables has risen probably over the last five years. It usually sat right probably seventh or eighth on the list. Well, for us, it's actually went to three. Um, we've worked with the Mango Commission along with the Boosta Blue. And let me just give you a little perspective on our fruit category with really large sections. They're about 12 feet long. We're a heavily branded company. We're, uh, I mean, branded when I say we don't use a lot of national branding within the store. It's really about Lunds and Wireleys. But one of the things that I thought really stood out was when Ben decided to do this, integrate it within the cut fruit category, is those great, wonderful Boost of Blue stickers. You think about like Ben & Jerry's. Ben & Jerry's always has this special edition. Well, that's what Ben did with this, with the Boost of Blue, right? We, we widened out in the category. We ribboned it. We put in this, you know, mango, blueberry with the Boost of Blue stickers on them. We did the pineapple and the blueberries with the Boost of Blue. It really drew attention within the category. It drove a ton of incremental sales. Um, and I would even say in this market, it wasn't just us that got onto the Boost of Blue program. We had some of our competitors did as well. So I think it really drove awareness for the blueberry category. Like Ben says, for us in that category, the blueberry category is already strong, but it just, it incrementally rose it that much more. And I think when you incorporate two large categories together, like 
processed fruit and berries, it's a win-win. It's a win-win. Well, and, and doesn't that kind of speak to not being complacent with what's at the top? And that's where I think we, you know, kind of see blueberries categorically across retail as having been so successful. And yet when you go in and you kind of really address the next level opportunity like you guys did, you start to see the benefits of the extra work that it involves, which I know there was extra work, but the the reward was worth it, right? You saw, you know, what was even more possible with a leading part of the of the category there, the leading part of the produce department for all of you. Let's talk a little bit about where this is headed though. We're anticipating by 2030 about a billion pounds of fresh moving into retail. And so as you think through what's going to be necessary, ideas like these to reach that volume while maintaining that value back to the current consumer, what's it going to take as an industry to make sure that we keep that value proposition to consumers high so that retail is still enjoying the same benefits of this fruit in the category 10 years from now? You know, I would say um, more impactful cross-merchandising, because when you think about blueberries, really they touch other departments as well. I mean, you think about the bakery. We do a lot of European pastries where we put blueberries in it. We have blueberry brats. I mean, there's just a lot of things that maybe we could probably tie in other departments and make it a, a much bigger part of the store. Don't get me wrong. The produce department's always going to be the one that drives the most volume. But incrementally, we could tie in a lot of other departments that actually drives blueberry awareness, not just in our department, but it, in departments within the store. Yeah, Ben, your thoughts? I think for it to grow in the future, we'll just need to see more innovation with packaging, more innovation with varieties too. You know, I know that there's a lot of great, great new varieties out there that get the pink ones. As those varieties improve, you know, I know all the guys in the genetics side will say, you know, the best blueberry we're eating today in 23 is gonna be an average one 10 years from now. So. I think the flavor is only going to get better. I think, you know, the more dynamic flavors that they can create would be great. I think also, too, you know, just the more snackification that we can make out of it as well. I think we need to tell a better story about health benefits and just realize, like, what does a serving or two servings a day of blueberries do for me as a person? Because if I understand that, then I'm going to want to reach for it more often. Well, and, and how does that really come through today in... London Byerly, you know, when you look at the produce department, you know, specifically with this food as medicine, produce as prescription, there's a big movement afoot. I think, you know, it sounds like maybe your consumer is probably already in that space thinking about food as medicine and thinking about how to take care of their bodies. But you tell me, I don't want to make any assumptions here on where you see that conversation going as a country and how that would be a way to better communicate what Ben's describing to the Lunds and Byerly customer? I, I would say, you know, uh, point of purchase signage is a great, you know, key to really drive in that information. Um, within Lunds and Byerly's, we do have a foodie program. Uh, foodies are like dietitians or people that actually go out and help people put together recipes. A lot of times we'll do demos where we incorporate many different berries, but at that point of uh, contact with the customer, during a, uh, a demonstration, a lot of times they'll give information. We also have a Nourish publication from time to time. We do features on particular categories, could be blueberries. Those are the things I think we, we do to try to help drive awareness of the benefits of blueberries. Well, and then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take some advice from both of you. I mean, 
one of the things that we're doing today is different than what we've done in the past as a commodity board at USHBC. We're, we're just kind of getting into this space alongside you, you know, where we're providing points of view on whether it's who the consumers are today that are eating blueberries or it's up into including inspiration for point of purchase, right? These kind of conversation we're having now about how to maybe next level involve the health uh, components of uh, point of purchase. But w- what is it that you see that organizations, our organization could be doing to help continue to inspire retailers at that what's next for blueberries? What, what are your thoughts on ensuring that we don't become complacent? What are the kinds of things that we could be doing that pull, you know, opportunity and conversations at the retail level to uh, maximize the category? Okay. So at the retail level, um, I would say point of purchase information as far as signage, that type things, exactly what you did this year with the marketing. I think that was a great critical piece. But I also think from a perspective of the grower side, those new varieties, I think that drives a lot of incremental sales. And then to be honest with you, some of the things that we got to be thinking about is sustainability, sustainable packaging. We're pretty in tune with that. We're doing a lot of sustainable packaging in our potatoes. Um, We're trying to drive people away from in-store plastic bags into reusable bags. That's something else I think down the road we have to consider as well. Yeah, I think from the marketing side of it, just having a diverse focus every year, just so you can kind of kind of change that focus. So this year it's on the growers, next year it's on the nutrition, kind of having a fresh look all the time. I'd say too, you know, the other thing would be just developing new growing regions. You know, with the weather changing so much lately, could there be a local Minnesota deal? I know they've always fought pest pressure in the past. There's a small Bayfield blueberry deal up in northern Wisconsin, just sort of driving awareness for other smaller deals. Sure. Well, and and maybe talk a little bit about the pressure you feel as a retailer on access to the fruit. You know, it sounds like we're clearly running into a supply challenge with the Peruvian season this year. Talk a little bit about, you know, your perspective on your concerns with with whether it's a local supply for those kind of local promotions versus just the aggregate issue of making sure that you've got the supply that your consumers are expecting and the challenges that you've uh, faced in the past or you think you might be facing in the future that is related to those supply questions. I think a lot of it has to do with just instead of always being worried about the, you know, we got to be conscious of comping sales for each subcategory, but just realizing that not every year is going to be the same. So we got to, if we're going to have a tough year on blueberry this year uh, because of all the issues in Peru, what other berry can we push on to sort of make up those sales? Or what other categories within the department can we push on to take some pressure off of there? How can we merchandise differently and pre-plan? So that's, those are the two big things there. But then when, when the opportunities come, how can we expand the merchandising? How can we partner with, with our berry partner, Driscoll's, to help move the pile for them? They do need it. And, and Ben, how do you keep track of how the market's going? I mean, obviously, you've got Driscoll's who's helping give you information, but do you have another outside resource or, or information that you gather to just kind of keep your finger on the pulse of the blueberry business? Well, I mean, I haven't dug into your guys' new program yet, like just like how the Strawberry Commission has their numbers. But I use the Strawberry Commission numbers. I, I use the, the total berry page. Now, I know the volume by day on that isn't, isn't as accurate as the strawberries, but at least it's directionally accurate. So when I am having a conversation with, with a vendor, I can be educated and talk to them intelligently. I like those little resources. I'm excited to, to play around with, um, with the USHBC's blueberry numbers so I can kind of 
have those conversations with the vendors and know when to when to push or when to pull back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we're, we're glad that you see that as an opportunity as well. Now let's talk before we go. Uh, you know, I certainly want to hear your your guys's thoughts on what the biggest threats are to the category. So for Blueberry specifically, you know, what what concerns do you have in the future that would be a threat to sales growth? So I'll run over to you, Rod. What, what are your thoughts on things that we should be watching out for? You know, I would say it depends. Uh, I would say, especially when we're talking about Peruvian, it, sometimes it can be port issues, you know, where we're getting product in that isn't quite up to snuff. I would also say, depending on how other uh, other categories are doing, like this year, I, w- I would give you an example with cherries. I mean, they were kind of ramming up against blueberries. Cherry market, which we all kind of thought they saw that extra volume, well, it ended up being kind of sloppy. Um, so when you see a bunch of low retails out there, it just takes away from other categories like blueberries where cherries were just cheap. I haven't seen $1.99 retails on cherries forever. And we were seeing that a lot in the market. And that really can kind of influence other categories. You can pull other categories down because you're just shifting the sales onto cherries. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, ben, your thoughts on on threats? Yeah, I'd echo the same thing, you know, just normal ups and downs of produce like you know during during certain times of the year every fruit item is great you know everything tastes good so how do we share space within the department to share it all everybody can get the limelight i would also add that there's other categories that are kind of emulating and i would say the grape category is much like that you know the grape is looking at a lot of these proprietary varieties i know they are always there but it seems like in the last few years since cotton candy it's amplified when you say Ben? Absolutely. I mean, I think a lot of a lot of different categories can learn from each other and you know just kind of emulate that, whether it's updates and uh, different packaging or coming out new varieties and just sort of how you're going out to market. And it's not a threat, but it's just something that you know, we can all learn from each other. Absolutely. Well, you know, you talked both of you, I think, talked a little bit about kind of things changing in the retail environment. So I want to kind of just come to your, you know, think about it through your lens, uh, what's happening at retail with consumers, but what other retail challenges are you seeing? What are, what, what do you see coming to the retail environment that might impact products like blueberries? I'd say one, one thing is just weather issues. So we go in and we, we all plan, plan at length about, you know, how to, how to move these crops and how to, how to get things pre-committed for the vendors. But these big, Big weather events can wreak havoc on a berry category where people are picking and packing every day. So being conscientious of that and, you know, Rod, with all his years of experience at retail, you know, when I go to him and say, hey, I'm getting my orders cut today pretty bad. I know we're on front page. He's always like, okay, so let's talk to the stores and see how we can sort of change their merchandising plan a little bit to help take some of that pressure off of us here. That's kind of the good thing that us as a retail team we're self-distributed here, so we can kind of make some fast decisions based off what's coming inbound and coach up our teams out at store level to make some adjustments. Yeah. Does that, uh, Rod, to you, and maybe this is to both of you, but are you finding it to be increasingly more volatile or is this kind of business as usual? How, how do you relate to you know, this, this watch out of what is certainly a threat, Mother Nature, but that, that threat has been you know, consistent throughout time? Uh, is it changed? Is it is it feeling like it's more volatile today in terms of that supply opportunity? Oh, significantly. Even logistically, just getting product here with uh, port issues, with trucks. Ben nailed nailed it with the weather issues we were having. But he, even heat, we've been rejecting trucks because you know they're not 
keeping temperature by the time they're getting here. Um, so it's not only affecting the crops, but it's even affecting transportation. Those, those are things that I think threaten us more than anything. And then quite honestly, the economy. I mean, the economy, inflation has been running wild for a while. So retail has been very high, especially in the berry category. I mean, when can you remember strawberry prices specifically? $5.99, $6.99. I mean, they're always traditionally around this time, $3.99 and inflation impacts. And now it's coming, it's coming off. And my hope is it will get back to normal again. But that's another thing too, you know, um, we even just saw specifically lately those SNAP benefits have come off. I think that really impacted a lot of retailers that are high-low retailers um, because those extra benefits were gone. And that specifically is the produce departments probably more than any other department. Yeah, no, I understand. And, uh, you know, we're certainly watching out for all those things. And yeah, if there's anything else that we could be doing, I certainly want to encourage uh, the both of you and other retailers who are listening in the industry at large that... Uh, we're listening. And there are things that we see that are the opportunities that are yet ahead for blueberries. And it's going to take some shoulder to the wheel. And I think all of us working together to make sure that we're paying attention to those watchouts. Uh, so that'd probably be my last question today is just, you know, what's your sense of what more we're going to need to be doing uh, to attract that consumer who's not buying blueberries today? What, what, what are the things, what are the steps that we could be taking as an industry to try to penetrate that household penetration number and, and increase those, uh, uh, the volume of purchase even coming into the category. Any, any thoughts on that from either of you? You know, I would, I, I would say that one of the wonderful things we've seen from Driscoll, I think it's, it really comes down to packaging sometimes just from a perspective of for the longest time we've been doing pints for a long time. And we really didn't venture too far out of that, but we've been seeing a lot of success with larger size packs uh, because I do believe when you can sell them the larger size packs, they, they'll they'll come back for the purchase. They just eat more. Um, so driving larger packs, I think, can help drive more volume. I would also say from a director's perspective, I would never shy away from putting blueberries on the cover. It's definitely a tool in my toolbox that drives sales. So I think with the increased volume would be more increased activity from us to drive it, drive more, you know. But I and then I would lastly, I would say. The advent of new varieties, I think, is key because, again, I just point to what Driscoll did with the sweetest batch blueberries, and it's it's been an entire game changer for us. We it has driven a ton of incremental sales, and to be honest with you, I would say our consumers probably feel like the sweetest batch is more the norm they want to see than the smaller fruit, because when we don't have it, we probably get that question more than most everything else, wouldn't you say, Ben? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well, that's encouraging. I think that speaks to the future. Certainly the opportunity ahead for the category, you know, has been described like those varieties are continuing to be evolved and developed and, and to the extent that the consumers are recognizing it and you're saying they do. Uh, really encouraging to talk to both of you today. Is there anything else before I let you go that either of you'd like to add? I would say you're definitely heading in the right direction with with the uh, strategy that you have. Now, the Boost of Blue was a huge success for us. And again, it wasn't just us in this Minneapolis market. I saw other people pushing the Boost of Blue. And, and that's the first I've really seen that push. So I think Ben alluded to about a 33% increase. That's a substantial increase in our business in blueberries. And we're already good. So if you can get that with other retailers, I mean, you're going to cover that volume fairly quick. 
Yeah. Well, it's encouraging to hear you say that. It's it's certainly something, like I said, is is kind of new for USHBC. We haven't been in that place where we've been providing resources like this. And of course, Don and the role he played uh, was tremendous in being able to connect us to you. And it is a great way of driving uh, awareness and attention to, you know, something that people are already thinking about that's top of mind. But you know, this is just that example, and I appreciate you guys uh, talking it through with me today that there's more we can do and giving us hope and opportunity and what that future could really look like as we go forward from here. So I appreciate both of you being on the show today. Thank you so much for being on the business of blueberries and certainly look forward to working with you both in the future ahead. So thank you. Thanks for having us, Casey. Oh, we appreciate you guys. We appreciate USHBC and, you know, partnering with us and the growers to help drive, drive more awareness and sales. All right. Well, that's it for episode 147. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries. Blueberries.